We speak a great word of welcome to everyone tonight. I'm glad to be here for the fourth annual Norman Young People's Meeting. Uh, this is my fourth time to speak at the Young People's Meeting, and we're very honored to be here. We appreciate the invitation. We're glad that all of you have come together at those a lot precious faith to worship and praise God Almighty. Tonight, we're going to study the very first gospel sermon recorded in Scripture that mankind had the opportunity to obey. So therefore, if you have your Bible, turn with me please to the book of Acts chapter 2. We are going to draw 10 main points from this chapter. Now we could easily go more and you could go more and draw much more. But we're going to take a good overview of these 47 verses and point out 10 very important biblical truths learned from Acts chapter 2. It's real easy to be the preacher when you're preaching on Acts 2 because the Holy Spirit inspired Peter what to say. The Holy Spirit inspired this sermon, and we're going to simply draw from it all that we can. So while you're at Acts chapter 2, let's do a general overview, and then we'll begin to hit the points one by one. We're going to begin the study of Acts 2, which we'll be covering baptism of the Holy Spirit that the apostles received. We also will hear Peter began in verse 14 and go through verse 36 where he would deliver a sermon where he will quote David twice, he'll quote Joel once, and he will be given a very solid, sound message. And then number three, we're going to see within this one chapter, during this one set of 47 verses, we're going to see responses to the gospel and how that went down. That was very interesting. And we're going to see the first new, new converts in the Lord's church. And then the final part of the chapter, we're going to see the church is established. You know, one thing very important to understand about Acts 2, the church was established in Acts 2. Not Acts 1 and not Acts 3. Any religious organization that began before Acts 2 is not the Lord's church because it began too quick and too early. Any religious organization that began from Acts 3 on is not the Lord's church because it began too late. We're going to talk about the day the Lord's church had its beginning. And this is really a dynamic study because here we find what God chose for me and you to know and to learn regarding this. So we're going to start off by talking about the great chapter. And then we're going to focus in on one day, a great day. And then we're going to begin to look at a very important place, a great place. And then we're going to take a look, and this is very, very important. A great crowd was gathered there that day. More people were gathered there that day 
that at the moment it began were not baptized believers, but when it ended, many of them were. So therefore, there's indeed a great crowd that is gathered. And this is a great sermon. A sermon given by the Apostle Peter. And he, therefore, was faced with a great question that he had to answer. And then there was a great response to his question that began to be the beginning of the New Testament church. Not only that, we find the congregation, the very first sermon, the very first day the New Testament church began, we find now a great worship and we find the church today, on this day of Acts 2, had its beginning. There are two things I want everybody here to really take seriously. Number one, I want to make sure within my power tonight to give you the tools to work with so you can understand Acts 2. Number two, I want you to be able to not only know it, but I want you to be able to tell it to other people. Because of modern day people in our, the day and time in which we live, they do not hear Acts 2 when people talk about their religious organization. I hesitate to call religious organizations a church. They're not really a church. They're a religious organization. Now some do call it that and that's their business. But it's not the Lord's church. We're going to talk tonight about the Lord's church. You know what is interesting here? As we begin to talk about this great chapter. In this chapter, there's so much to be learned. Let's look behind Acts 2. Let's look at what happened earlier. Now, I'm not going to quote all these verses. I'm not even turning to read all these verses. But if you're taking notes, if you have your brochure, it's on the very back. You may want to write down Isaiah chapter 2, verse 1 and verse 2. Isaiah 2 is a prophecy about the Lord's church. You might want to write down Josh, uh, Joel, Joel the second chapter, verse 28 through 32. Joel chapter 2, 28 to 32. Also, Daniel 2 and 44. These are just three of the prophecies about the upcoming church. It was in some distant future, hundreds of years later. In some circumstances, it was prophesied about hundreds of years earlier. But now tonight, we're going to talk about the day those prophecies were fulfilled. They were fulfilled right here in Acts chapter 2. But now, we don't have to go back that far. We can reel in all the way to the day of Jesus and John the Baptist. Let me give you an example. Go with me to Matthew the third chapter, verse 1 and verse 2. We're going to look at Matthew 3 and Matthew 4. So if you're allowed to turn, we will show you a couple of key passages. In Matthew, the third chapter, verse 1 and verse 2. Now this will be about John the Baptist. The Bible said, In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea. And he said, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That little phrase, at hand, means right around the corner. John the Baptist is saying, the kingdom of heaven is right around the corner. The kingdom of heaven or the church is drawing close. And John the Baptist in his ministry, he laid it down very clear for everybody to follow. 
Now, next chapter, Matthew, the fourth chapter, and verse 17. Now the words of Jesus. Listen to what Jesus said during his ministry. Jesus said, from that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So now we're seeing John the Baptist and Jesus preaching the same thing. It's getting close. You've heard about it for years and years. You've heard of your ancestors preaching it, promoting it, talking about it. It's getting really, really close. Mark records it this way in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 9, verse 1. He said, there are some of you that are right here that will not die until you see the kingdom of God come with power. That must have been exciting. He says, some of you in my audience, in my listening voice, you will not die. Some of you are going to be alive when the Lord's church is established. Mark 9 and verse 1. So therefore, we see it recorded years and years ago. We find it all the way during the days of John the Baptist and then the days of Jesus. And now we're going to go to Acts 2. And Acts the second chapter. We're not going to read all 47 verses, but I really hope and I really pray that each one of you will seize the opportunity to read and to study this particular sermon. It is the sermon given to us by the Almighty God through the Holy Spirit to the Apostle Peter to deliver the very first gospel sermon that they had. You know what is very interesting about this sermon, though? It's not the first time the gospel was preached. It is the first time the gospel is preached that mankind had the opportunity to obey it. That's huge. Now, we've already read the passages in Matthew 3, Matthew 4, Mark 9. The gospel has been preached, but it was early. They could not yet obey it. But right here in Acts 2, they can hear it and they can obey it. Many heard it, many obeyed it, and we'll notice that here in a few moments. There are several key factors along the way during the lesson tonight that we're going to address and we're going to explain with a little bit more clarity in order to really understand this chapter. Listen, Acts 2 is the very pivotal point of New Testament Christianity. Before Acts 2, the church wasn't established. Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church. He was still looking ahead during his ministry. But after Acts 2, every time you see the word church used, it is now in existence. It's up, it's running, it is flowing. There are seven congregations who received letters in the, book, in the New Testament. You find these seven beginning at Romans all the way through Thessalonica. Seven congregations. And then in the book of Revelation, you find seven congregations of Asia. Now these congregations, these 14 congregations, they had their strength, but some had their weaknesses. They needed to work on some areas, but yet they had other areas that they really were a bright and shining light. I want every congregation here tonight to be a bright and a shining light to everyone in your community. I want you as an individual, brother or sister in Christ, who are baptized believers, that you will be a shining light. You'll let your light so shine before others that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven.
a great chapter indeed. This chapter, an unbelievable chapter, but it's one that now people, they can hear the gospel, they can hear the message, they can obey that message. But not only that, you have a great day. What day is this day? It's the day of Pentecost. I do not know how many times that I've said it and other people have said it. The church was established on the day of Pentecost. Well, that's right to a point. But we need to refine that a little bit. I'm going to rec make a recommendation. And that recommendation is to keynote which day of Pentecost. Do you know how many days of Pentecost there were? There have been many, many, many days of Pentecost. The Bible teaches, right here in Acts, the second chapter, they were established on the day of Pentecost. What day? The first Pentecost after the resurrection. Keynote, after the resurrection. Now, we can identify when the New Testament church began. This is a great day. It is the day of Pentecost, a wonderful day. I'm not minimizing the importance of the day of Pentecost at all, but to better understand when did the Lord's church begin, it began on the day of Pentecost following the resurrection. Very important for every New Testament Christian to know and to be able to explain to other people. Well, this day of Pentecost as many others, had its, its own merit. But it's very, very important that we understand that we can explain to people, this is where it began, right here. No more, no earlier, no later. It began right here. Everybody understand that and put it in your mind. Be able to tell other people, you know the very day the New Testament church had its beginning. Well, there's a great place. A great place indeed. You know what the Bible said in Acts 2? You can look at verse 5. There are several verses. But Acts 2 verse 5. And they're dwelling at where? Jerusalem. Listen. Dwelling at Jerusalem. Jews. Devout men. Out of every nation under heaven. Where did the New Testament church begin? In the city of Jerusalem. No if. No ands. No buts. This is it. So we're finding out now the day and the location whereby the Lord's church began. This is the fulfillment of all of those prophecies that we talked about earlier. Isaiah, Daniel, Joel, John the Baptist, Jesus. Right here in the city of Jerusalem. Would you turn with me please and we'll turn right back to Acts 2. So maybe keep your finger there. Turn with me to Luke chapter 2. The very last chapter of Luke 2. I want to show you the great commission given by Luke. Very few people give the commission, great commission by Luke. But I want to look with you at Luke, the 24th chapter. And we want to look at two verses. Verse 46 and 47. The word of God records the following. Please carefully note this. Thus it is written... Thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. Luke 2, Luke's account of the Great Commission given by Matthew, by Mark, and by Luke. Luke is the only one that identifies 
where it began at Jerusalem. It began at Jerusalem. Write that down. Commit it to memory. Luke 24 and verse 47. And this is a great passage, by the way. You know where other writers, he that believes in baptized, Mark said, and then Matthew said, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. They each contain certain things the others did not contain. Well, Luke contained where the church had its beginning. It began at Jerusalem. Therefore, any religious organization that began anywhere else other than Jerusalem is not the Lord's church. Now you don't need to back away from that. You don't need to bat an eye. You don't need to stammer. You don't need to stutter. This is it. This is book, chapter, and verse. You're reading it in your Bible. We're giving you book, chapter, and verse. This is very, very important. The millenniums today, they've been challenged. I just saw a brochure just this past week and it commented, Funeral or this church, a particular religious organization. And they consider the church of our Lord as a funeral. You know, they think people are too sober-minded. They're, they're too dry. They're not excited about things. My dear friends, I want all of you young people here. I want all of you old people here too. Be excited about the Lord's church. Excited enough to tell other people about it. It is amazing. What is accomplished when you're a member of the Lord's church? I fail to understand why some people delay, delay, delay and being a member of the Lord's church. But I want everybody here to know, regardless of what mankind may say, how fluent they may say it, and how artsy they may be, and how bright lights they may have, and how great a stages they may have, and how you know, elaborate they may be, the New Testament church began at Jerusalem at 9 o'clock in the morning on the day of Pentecost after the resurrection, that's the Lord's church. And don't you dare let anybody ever talk you out of embracing the truth of the Lord's church. There's so much effort, so much. People today in our religious society are being taught a bunch of garbage, religious garbage. And if we would stay right with the book, chapter, verse of the Bible, we're going to see some great things happening. Now, we have not only have seen the great chapter, we've not only seen a great day, we've not only located the great place, we've got an amazing crowd. An amazing crowd. This is one of the few times that I can imagine and see where they had more non-Christians than they had Christians. This is the day that they had that opportunity they became, became Christian. There were thousands of Jews, literally thousands upon thousands of Jews gathered there. And in Acts, the second chapter, you see that crowd. The Bible said they were there from every nation under heaven. They were there in leaps and numbers and great uh, groups of people from all over. Convoys came from near and far. So they could gather together and hear this sermon on this day. Oh, they've been listening to Jesus for 33 years. Especially his ministry beginning about age 30 to 33. Hey, they've been around him. Different ones have. But now, 
something different. Now today is the day above every other day. And this crowd was gathering. The Bible said men out of every nation under heaven. That reminds me so much of what the three different ones of the Great Commission said. Go to all the world. Go to every nation. Go to every creature. Go to every nation. I want everybody to hear this gospel. Listen. What it takes for you to be saved and for you to go to heaven, it takes for your friends, your neighbors, your relatives, and even your enemies to do the same thing. Now, Christian, listen, I want to be very frank with you here. Young or old, it doesn't matter. How long has it been since you've talked to even your next-door neighbor just a few feet away from your front door about the gospel? When is the last time that you just went up to them and tried to spur on even a, a brief and even a shallow conversation? But something is better than nothing. We obviously would not have time today because we're going to be confined to Acts 2. But it is so great when you read on throughout the book of Acts. You read about the missionary journeys of Paul. You read congregations being established. We're dear friends. We're proud of every one of you who reach out and talk to people at work and at school and your neighborhood and your some organization you may be a member of that you're talking to people about the gospel. Because one day it will be all over. Heaven or hell will be everybody's doom or reward. I want you to go to heaven. Proverbs 11 and 30 said, A wise man is one who winneth souls. I'll tell you something today. We cannot afford to lose our soul over the fact that we are not sharing the gospel with other people. We've got to be people who are part of the crowd who's learned about Jesus. They've heard this sermon given in Acts 2. They've obeyed the gospel. They became New Testament Christians. You're sons and daughters of God Almighty. And now you're marching on to heaven and you want to take people right along with you. Oh, there are many verses. In the Old Testament even. In Ezekiel 3, Ezekiel 33, both record, if you do not warn the wicked from the error of their way, They would die, and I'm going to hold their blood at your hand. I want everybody to take all that serious because that's important. And this needs to be part of our everyday life. Oh, this great crowd of people, they took the gospel far and wide. You can learn from Acts 8. We won't go there today. But Acts 8 shows they were finally dispersed, and they went everywhere preaching the word. Well, furthermore, let's take a point and look at a great sermon. Point number five, a great sermon. Was it ever great? You know, during the time that Jesus preached, he preached some sermons that people didn't really follow very closely. They did not respond to him sometimes. Now, they would come out by the thousands. Even like the Sermon on the Mount, the Sermon in the Plains, they came out by the thousands of people but many times people refuse to accept, refuse to follow him. One time in John the sixth chapter, he preached a sermon, and when it's all over, just a handful of people were left. And Jesus said, Will ye also go away? They said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You've got the words of eternal life. Tell your friends that. Jesus has words 
of eternal life. I love reading and studying this sermon right here in Acts 2. It began at verse 14. And it'll go all the way down through verse 36. If you read verse 14, you see that Peter, he stood up with the 11. He lifted up his voice and he began to preach. My dear friend, this is a great, great sermon here. And he began to preach. And he did something uniquely different than some of the other recorded sermons that we find. He reached back and, and they loved David. Oh, David was a man. Hey, well, he quoted David twice. Acts 2, verse 25. Acts 2, verse 29. You see he quoted David on two different occasions. Not only that, he quoted Joel in verse 16 of Acts 2. I'm not going to read all that he wrote about them right now for brevity's sake. But we've already talked about Joel. Joel 2, verse 28 to 32. He quoted Joel. He quoted David. And people said, David? Joel, yes, yes, tell us more. And Peter, the man of God, the very first sermon that people could obey, here it is, we find it recorded. And verse 14 through verse 36, he's delivering a dynamic sermon, a sermon sent from heaven, a sermon that's inspired of the Holy Spirit, a sermon that came from God Almighty, Wow, this is the great sermon. So don't take it for granted. Read this sermon here in Acts 2. Read it and understand and put your feet in the shoes or the sandals of the people that were there that day. And they began to hear, and let me tell you what, Peter unloaded. Yes, he quoted Joel. Yes, he quoted David twice. But he was preaching away. Turn with me now. We'll read verse 36. The Bible says, now listen, we're going to have a very abrupt ending to his sermon from what is recorded. Acts 2 and 36, therefore, Peter said, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made that same Jesus whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. You murdered the Son of God. The man you crucified, the Son of God, is your Lord and is your Christ. Whoa. People began to have questions, and we find a great question, obviously. Look at verse 37. The Bible said, now when they heard this, they were printing their heart. And they said, men and brethren, and to the rest of the apostles, what shall we do? Oh, now they're convicted in their heart. Now they want to know what they need to do. Dear friends, when a person is convicted, they want to know what they can do to get rid of that sin. That's a terrible sin. They have looked and for years and years and prophesied the coming of Jesus, Jesus, the Messiah. And he came and they murdered him. And Peter did not hold back. When he began that sermon, he quoted Joel, he quoted David. He let them know you have murdered the Son of God. You've murdered your Lord and you've murdered your Savior. You murdered the Lord and the Christ. 
And they were pricked in their heart. Men and brethren, what shall we do? You know what they wanted to know? What shall we do to be saved? They wanted to go to heaven. They were sorry now. They were convicted. We today, as gospel preachers, young or old, we need to preach a convicting message. Let people know you're convicted for sinning against God in a variety of ways. Men and brethren, what shall we do? Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized. Who? Every one of you. In the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. I want you to take a good hard look at Acts 2.38. This is a powerhouse passage. This is their opportunity to obey the gospel. What did Peter say? He gave them two commands. Look at yours in Acts 2.38. Whatever version you're using, it will be there. Repent and be baptized. Two commands. Who? Every one of you. That sounds pretty inclusive, doesn't it? Every one of you. Dear friends, repent and be baptized. Every one of you. Why? In the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Not only were there two commands, repent, repentance and baptism, there were two blessings, remission of sins and gift of the Holy Spirit. Both of these are equally important. Many, many times we hear people today quote Acts 2.38, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. And then move on to another point. Listen, Peter gave two great blessings here. Remission of sins, very important. Get rid of your sins, but also gift of the Holy Spirit. You know, today I spent several hours trying to weed in material and take out material to keep the sermon about 30, 35 minutes. We'll see if I do that or not. But well, while I looked up and just repent of the gift of the Holy Spirit, we know what repent is. We know what baptism is. We know what remission of sins is. How about gift of the Holy Spirit? When is the last time you told anybody what Peter told his audience in Acts 2.38? When is the last time you told them repent, baptize, remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit? Today, in our day and time, some even in the church are leaving out that phrase. I am scared to death of that. It is great concern. I looked up the word gift in one of the very popular W. Vine Expository Dictionary of New Testament words, and it shows the gift is the Holy Spirit. I looked up under Thayer, gift is the Holy Spirit. I looked under others and it's Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. I can give you oodles and gobs of quotations of, pro, of absolute proof. Gift of the Holy Spirit is God's Holy Spirit. 
And you get it when you're baptized. The same time you get remission of sins. If today you have been influenced to not include gifts of the Holy Spirit, rethink that. This is inspired. What some man has said is not inspired. There's a lot said in the Bible about gifts of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is wonderful. He indwells every New Testament Christian. And I'm thankful to God. Romans 8 said, if you don't have him, you're none of his. Romans 8, verse 9, 10, and 11. Easy to remember. Romans 8, verse 9, 10, and 11. 8, 9, 10, 11. Romans. There it is. Many other places. Peter was preaching to these people. And he laid it down hard and fast. I want you to repent. I want you to be baptized for the remission of sin. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. But who else? Who else is this for? Just for us in this day and time? No. Look at the very next verse. And verse 39, the word of God says the following. For the promise is unto you. That's the Jews. Right there at that day and time. And to your children. And to them who are far off. That's the Gentiles. And to as many as the Lord our God shall call. My dear friends, take a look at that. Four points. To you, the Jews. To your children. Their future children coming. And their children currently. To their children. To them afar off. To the Gentile people. To as many. To as many as the Lord our God shall call. I want everybody to understand we are as many as the Lord our God shall call. The teaching of Acts 2.38 is long, it's loud, it's powerful, it is God sent. It needs to be God obeyed and God understood from us to the Almighty. We need to thank God for what he's given to all of us. He's given us the opportunity to have remission of sins and gift of the Holy Spirit. This is a non-miraculous indwelling of the Holy Spirit. We're not talking about miracles here. I can't go into all of that tonight. I'd love to. I'm not shy about it. But I tell you what, we need to understand the gift of the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit and you get the Holy Spirit at the same time you get remission of sins in Acts 2.38. Well, let's look further. What kind of response was there? You know what kind of response it was? Look at verse 41 and 42. That's why I like it. I didn't get this sermon up. I'm just giving it to you based on how it's written. God got it up through the Holy Spirit, through the Apostle Peter. I'm just relaying the information. Look with me, please, at verse 41 and 42. They that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there added to them about 3,000 souls. Wow! This is huge. About 3,000 people obeyed the gospel. I've never preached in front of 3,000 people, except maybe TV or radio. Live? Nope, never preached. They baptized about 3,000. They responded to what was given in Acts 2.38. They were motivated. They were convicted. They were ready. They were willing. They were able. And they did respond to the calling that was given to them by the Apostle Peter. He told them exactly what God wanted them to know and to have. And they responded to it. About 3,000 people. Wow, that's amazing. 
I've preached before 1,500 non-Christians before, but I only was given about this long of a lesson to give. Three young men had been killed in an automobile accident in the community, and they chose three preachers in, um, in the city we lived in at the time. And uh, I was one of the three they asked to speak, and, and they asked me to offer the invitation. I thought, yeah! I was excited. I wanted to give them the invitation message. You know what, today... I want you to give the invitation to people in private 101, across their kitchen table, across your fence, wherever you are. Talk to people about the gospel. Let's show them right here. About 3,000 people obey the gospel. Peter's sermon, why was it ever dynamic? And you know why it was dynamic? It came from heaven itself. And my dear friends, today we need to preach exactly what he preached. Did you know in Acts 4 and 4, just a couple of chapters later, the number 3,000 had increased to 5,000. And then from that point on, they did not number them. They just said, multiplied greatly and greatly multiplied and, and increased. And on and on it went. It was amazing. Historically, okay? Not biblically, but historically. It is said that in only a few weeks, there was over 50,000 Christians gathered there that day. I just want you to know, this is what it takes for you to be saved. It's what it took for them to be saved. It's what it takes for me and you to be saved. We must obey the same gospel that they were taught to equally obey. Now look with me please at Acts 2.42 where we see a great worship. Oh, this is a great verse. Acts 2.42 When they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine in fellowship and breaking of bread and in prayers. I like the fact it, they continued steadfastly in these four ways. Singing was not mentioned here, but it was mentioned in other places. I'm not going to go into detail, but there was a day and time, and we don't have much of it in our present time, but a little uh, congregation that preferred to follow this uh, set order of worship. Meaning, in this order, you or organize your Sunday morning assembly. And that is the teaching, the contribution, which is fellowship, your communion, your prayers. And that's fine. Nothing wrong with that at all. You know, I have that in, in my wife's family, Acts 2.42. They practice the order of worship. But the point I want to make in this day and time, at this moment of our lesson, in Acts 2.42, we find worship. Dear friends today, please stay true to the word in worshiping God in spirit and in truth. It is amazing the, the amount of teaching we can learn by being at worship and listening to the men who have studied hard to give lessons. I love to listen to men, young and old, preach the gospel because I know they've given their best. They've worked. They've worked hard. They've studied. And now we're going to learn. We can learn from you. I promise you, I can learn from you. And I love learning from you. And I want us to all work together for that great goal. Point 10 of 10 points, a great beginning. Here it is, folks. Look at verse 47. Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church such as should be saved. 
King James Version. You know, some people would stop you at praising God. Hey, this is something to praise God about here. Praise God and have him favor with all the people. And the Lord asks you to the church. See, you don't join the church anyway. The Lord asks you to the church. That's what's beautiful. Uh, it is a very common conversation. Um, I join the church here and I join the church there. You know, community people will. You know, it's very interesting that um, you have events that happen in your life and you're talking to people and, and the terminologies and the phraseologies and you say, wow, that's a long way from scripture. You know why? Because a lot of times it's not scripture. But you want to be kind. You want to be thoughtful. You want to speak the truth in love. But here you can show people this is where the church began. But my friends, I want you to look at Acts 2.47. This is the day the New Testament church began. The birthday of the New Testament church, if you would. This is it. Not before, not after it. From this point forward, it's going to be the church in existence. And I want everybody here to really get acclimated to the point of explaining Acts 2 so people can understand. I've got one sheet of paper in a single space all the way down that's got all kind of religious organizations and none of them are the New Testament church. First we started in 606 and, and they began to just not very many years ago. It probably has 50 or 75 my dear friends, listen, the people are good people. But that does not make them New Testament Christians. If you want to be a New Testament Christian today, you're going to obey the gospel just like they did in Acts 2. The same gospel that Jesus said, go into all the world, go to every nation, go to every creature. He that believes and baptized shall be saved. Baptized in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. You have a choice to make. And I know most of you in this particular assembly are baptized believers. God bless you, and I'm glad you are. But have you been living a life that denotes the Christianity that you once professed? If not, you know what Peter told Simon to do when Simon sinned in Acts 8? He said, repent. Peter liked that word, repent. Repent and pray to God. If perhaps the thought of thy heart may be forgiven thee. If you have sin in your life and you want forgiveness of those sins, we would gladly assist you in any way we need to. Please come while we stand and while we sing. We thank you for listening to our podcast put on by the Church of Christ at 2215 Plans Road in Bakersfield. If you would like any additional information or you would like to receive a free Bible correspondence course by mail, please email us at info at churchofchristbakersfield.com. Our service times are Sundays at 10.30 a.m. and 5 p.m. and Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. Please make plans to join us. We would love for you to be our honored guest.